great also, uh, but we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 32, uh, and we're going to begin there at verse 22, Genesis 32 and verse 22, and we're going to read through verse 31. Uh, almost the duration of that chapter, but we're going to uh, end there at verse 31. And uh, uh, this is just something, a story that, uh, I don't know, God has just been bringing to my spirit over these last several weeks, maybe even months. Uh, I, I have preached a number, a number of times uh, concerning Jacob and uh, the story of Jacob's life. And uh, you're probably going to hear some things that sound familiar. You're going to hear some uh, some new stuff that you've never heard before. But uh, we're just going to take it all in together and, and just let God uh, just perfect these words uh, that he's going to speak over us into our lives this day that we can just uh, continue to be formed uh, into what God would have us to be and uh, that we can continue to grow, to be nurtured and matured uh, in our spirit man, uh, to reach, amen, uh, the very best that we can be in God, to, to reach that and, and, and I'm, I'm just searching for, for the right word. But I, I just want us to understand this morning the greatness that God has deposited in us. We can live in, in such a negative worldly system and it's easy to get caught up in that. And it's easy to let our flesh and our emotions get carried away sometimes. That, that, that Even the ones that we love, we can belittle them. Uh, and, and, and that we can speak things that are absolutely are not true about them. And we can get to where we hear that so much that we begin to buy into Satan's lie and deception over us. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are great. We were, we, we were created to shine. Uh, we, we are the light of this world. We are the salt. Uh, we are the flavor of this earth. Amen. God has proclaimed that over us and over our lives. We weren't produced on some mass production line. Uh, God took us in his hands, the, the great potter, took us as clay and he began to mold us and to fashion us and to shape us. And each and every one of us has specific purpose and destiny in life. And uh, the closer we get to God and the longer we walk with God, the more that becomes clear to us and the more that begins to avail in our life. Uh, so you are great this morning. And uh, God loves you. Oh, God loves you. He loves you unconditionally. His love for you today, it hasn't been dependent upon how much you prayed this past week. Hasn't been dependent upon how many meals you fasted. Hasn't been dependent upon how many good works you did. It, it wasn't dependent on how many scriptures you read this week. God is love, and God only knows one way to love, and that is with everything. So God loves you today, and it is His desire and purpose 
and goodwill to bless you and to bring you to the good and to the great future that he has and that he has designed for your life. Uh, so I, I want you to understand that, that, that there is something deep within you that God, and we're going to get into this, that, that God is wanting to bring out. He knew you before he formed you. Uh, before he began to put you in your mother's room and created you, he knew you. He, he had th- that, that word know or knew. Uh, that is an intimate word. Uh, God had intimacy with you. Uh, before he ever began to form you. He saw that everything was perfect and everything that you would need to get through life and to, and to come into the destiny. He saw that he made you and, and, and had that uh, deposited in you. Amen. Uh, so it's there. Uh, and God is working to bring it out of us. We just need to trust God and believe that. Over our lives. Don't buy into the lies and to the deceptions of Satan, of this world. Don't buy into the world system. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're great. Now, one more time, can you give God another hand clap of praise? Never get tired of praising Him. I mean, He's he's worthy of our praise. When Jesus was conversing with the woman at Jacob's well, uh, it was a Samaritan woman. And, and Jews, as I talked earlier uh, weeks ago about how Jews, uh, when I was talking about the good Samaritan, how Jews perceived uh, Samaritans. They were just dogs. They were the scum of the earth. And they just didn't have any dealings with them. But anyways, Jesus took the time to deal with this woman. And he was talking uh, to this woman. And, and she began to kind of change the course of the conversation and begin to talk about worship and about, you know, you you say Jerusalem's a place, we say the mountain, you know, and, and this and that. And, and Jesus said that God is seeking people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So God is seeking our worship and our praise and our thanks. There was ten leopards that Jesus healed one time. And as the ten were going off to the priest, following the instruction that Christ had given them, they, they recognized that they were healed, that their leprosy was gone. This was an incurable disease in those days. But, but Jesus had miraculously healed them. But only one came back to give praise. And instead of Jesus basking in the glory, you know, and acknowledging the praise of this one, this was his words. He said, wasn't there ten? Where's the other nine? So God is looking for us. When when He speaks such wonderful words over our lives as He was just doing concerning our destiny and concerning our greatness and, and us being created to shine, God expects us to acknowledge Him in thanksgiving and in praise and in worship for for the for the wonderful truth that is over our life. You see, when God begins to expose those lies and the deception that has been spoken over your life, they begin to be broken down. See, the truth illuminates 
darkness. Darkness can hide in light. Amen. Uh, light overcomes darkness. Uh, and, and so when he begins to illuminate your life with truth, you need to praise him and glorify and accept it and embrace it. Amen. Because he is worthy. And he's wondering. You know, when, when, when pastor, it isn't because I don't have anything else to say. It isn't because we don't have anything else to do. But when I say, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Let's give him our best praise. That's because God is wanting that. He's looking for that. He's searching for that. And we have been created to worship him. So we should, with enthusiasm and excitement and joyful hearts, say, God, that's the least that I can do, uh, is to praise you for your blessings and your word of truth uh, over my life. And you enlightening me and reminding me of who I am in you. So glory be to God. I know that some of you are just wanting to praise him, so go ahead and do it. Hallelujah. That makes his heart happy. Makes it rejoice. Genesis chapter 32 beginning at verse 22 reading through verse 31 of the New Living Translation. During the night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his eleven sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go. For the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. What do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury of his hip. Now, most of you are probably familiar with Jacob and his life. Most of you have probably read the book of Genesis at once in your life. But for those that maybe are not familiar with Jacob and his life, let me just kind of paraphrase it up to this point. And uh, so you can kind of be familiar with it. And I would encourage you to go back and, and, and to just kind of look at the life of Jacob. I can relate, and, and, and I'm certain that most of us can relate to the life, life of Jacob and, and kind of the things that he went through and the things that happened. Uh, and it really makes it life applicable to us uh, to be able to, to, to see uh, that, you know, the, the, the thing... Uh, one of Satan's tricks is he tries to uh, to separate us. 
and uh, make us think that we're the only one that thinks like this, that we're the only one that acts like this, that we're the only ones that have these kind of feelings, that we're the only one uh, that goes through these things. He tries to isolate us. And see, that is, uh, you know, he's referred to as a roaring lion walking about to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. That is uh, actual uh, in, in, in lines. That's one of the things that they try to do. Uh, I love wildlife shows. I watch Animal Planet and National Geographic and, and all of those uh, kind of channels. And, and, and I've just always been fascinated with wildlife and the outdoors and stuff. Uh, and uh, anyways, that is one of the things that if you watch big cats like leopards and lions and cheetahs, they try to isolate, you know, one of the uh, animals, its prey, away from the herd, you know, and, and, and pick it out. And then they go out. A lot of times they look for one that's weak, you know, or, or one that's injured or one that's old. Uh, but anyways, that's what Satan tries to do. It's, it's one of his tricks. He tries to isolate us and think, well, you know, uh, he, he shows you a church and he shows you its leadership. He says, oh, those people have arrived. They don't have any problems. They've never faced anything like you faced in life, you know. Uh, if they were here, they wouldn't be able to win out. And they wouldn't be able to overcome this and they wouldn't be victorious. You know, you're the only one that's going through this. Oh, bless your little heart. You know, the world is forsaken and turned its back on you you're never going to you might as well just give give up you know and, and just enjoy this life and live it to the fullness and everything that you can grasp a hold of and, 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 and just make yourself feel all better the enemy is trying to isolate uh, us and, and, and he's trying to make us. So get in there and study the Word of God. And, and you're going to see that the people that lived in Bible days uh, were knitted very closely to them. Amen. Uh, it may have been a different time. Uh, it, it may have been a different society. Uh, but ultimately, you're going to recognize a connection with the people in God's Word. Amen. Uh, so anyways, Jacob... He's no different than us. If if you dress Jacob uh, in American clothing and set him in this congregation today, none of us would recognize that Jacob was among us. You know, we would just look at him just another normal human being running this race of life, just like we are. And, and that's the way it was in his day. But anyways, Jacob was one, he was the younger of two boys. He, he was, he, he had a twin brother named Esau. When they were born, he was actually born clutching the heel of his brother Esau. And, uh, Esau was named and then Jacob was named. And then, uh, they began to grow up and stuff and Jacob was kind of a mama's boy. He kind of lived in the shadows of Esau, uh, for his dad's attention. And, uh, which was Isaac. And, uh, but anyways, these boys grew up, and of course, the firstborn in those days had the birthright. They had the, the, the firstborn blessing, and they had the biggest and the most inherited, and the, they, they, they were just blessed. And it meant something. It, it was not only, uh, something physical, but it was something spiritual. Uh, there was something about, you know, having God's hand upon you as, as the firstborn, you know. And, uh, anyways, they grew up, and uh, Esau was one, you know, he was his daddy's boy. He liked to hunt, and he was the 
outdoorsman and everything. Why, you know, Jacob, he liked to stay in the tent and stay close to mama, you know, and he, he liked to get in the kitchen and cook, you know. He was, uh, he was a mama's boy. But anyways, they grew up and one day Esau was faint and he was just wore out and, uh, he, he was just, close to dying he had no strength just it, 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 he he was just lifeless and he just made it back home and man he just smelled this pot of of lentils the bible refers to it you know it, it just big old pot of baked beans or you know uh and and man it was smelling so good and and boy esau was just so desperate and he asked jacob if he could have a bowl of this and jacob said Give me your birthright. You can have a bowl of my stew, of my beans, if you give me your birthright. So he said, well, what is the birthright to me? And he gave it to him, and Jacob blessed him and gave him some some beans. Well, it, it, it just angered Esau, and he just despised his birthright after this. And uh, anyways, they continued to grow up, and, and uh, it got to the time that Isaac was about ready to die his eyes was growing dim and uh, he had told his wife that it was ready you know to to bless the firstborn so uh, he he told Esau he called him in he said Esau he said I want you to go out I want you to 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 get some fresh venison and I want you to prepare it the way I like it I want you to come in I'm going to eat it and then I'm going to bless you so Esau goes out on a hunting trip well, mama, now, that's pretty bad when your mama puts you up to stuff. But, you know, Jacob, he was he was ready, you know. And, uh, you know, she told him, said, listen, you know, the, the blessing is about to be given away. I want you to do as I said. We're going to fix this venison. We're going to get it ready. Then you're going to, to take it in uh, to your father. He's going to eat it. He's he's he's." He's pretty much blind. He's not going to recognize you, you know. Uh, so Esau was a hairy kind of guy. Uh, so uh, he 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 was just real manly. Man, he had those manly hormones, and they were just. I mean, he he was he was of the werewolf type. And uh, so, anyways, they got some goat hair and stuff, and they put it all over Esau's hands and his face and his arms. So, because they knew that Isaac would reach out, or they put it on Jacob, because they knew that Isaac would reach out and, and, and to, to touch and to feel. So, Jacob comes in <coughs> with this meal and he puts it down, and, uh, and, and, and Isaac begins to talk to Jacob, and Jacob responds and he says, Are you Isaac? He says, come here and let me feel of you. And he comes, uh, Jacob comes near and Isaac begins to feel of Jacob. And he says, well, your voice sounds like Jacob, my younger son, but, but you feel like Esau. And he began to eat the stew and he said, oh yeah, oh yeah, this, this, this is, this is Esau. Man, nobody can, can make this and fix my, my venison like Esau. So he eats it and then he blesses Jacob. With that, with that number one, that, that firstborn blessing. And man just pours it out upon Jacob. And Jacob leaves. And no sooner does Jacob get out of the room, here comes Esau. And Isaac goes, who is this? He said, I'm Esau, I'm your son. And boy, Isaac, oh no. He said, your brother Jacob was just in here. 
And I've blessed him. And he said, don't you have another blessing for me? Don't you have anything? And, and you know, it was gone. That firstborn blessing was gone. So, man, Esau was just in a rage. And anyways, Jacob's mother sends him away to her family to, to find him a wife. And anyways, he goes away. But Esau is angry. And he says, next time I see you, next time we meet, I will kill you. I, I will avenge All the times that you've deceived me. All the times that you've tricked me. And anyways, Jacob, he gets down there. He he goes through a seven-year process working for the woman that he loves. And he doesn't get her. He gets his sister, Leah. So then he has to work another seven years. He's kind of getting a taste of his own medicine. I mean, his father-in-law is a cunning man. So then he works another seven years for, 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 the, for the one that he loves and the one that he wants. And he finally gets her. And, and, and so anyways, he begins to, to take charge of, of, of his father-in-law's herd. And anyways, uh, he makes this deal to where he keeps all the speckled ones and and his father-in-law gets all the clean and the pure breed and all the best you know looking of the flock but anyways they begin to breed and jacob comes up with the scheme and all of a sudden he he has basically his entire father-in-law's herd because this was the deal that they had made so they gather up in the middle of the night and they leave and anyways his wife uh takes her father's idol so he's in a rage and he chases off after jacob and he finds him and anyways he can't find him because she's got him hidden and he can't locate him and he accuses jacob and jacob accuses him and anyways they they get things worked out and they come to 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 a peace treaty and 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 you know he blesses them and sends them on and and he returns to his home but now this is where jacob is at he understands that esau his brother is on his way i believe with 400 men And he believes that Esau is out to kill him. So he's gathering up animals and presents and and servants. And he's sending them ahead to meet his brother Esau, hoping that he can make things right and that he will have mercy and grace when he finally comes. But he's really troubled and upset about this. And this is where we find Jacob in this part and in this time of his life. Uh, So here we go. Let's get into what God has given for us today. Jacob, the name Jacob simply means supplanter. As I shared with you, he was born grabbing a hold of the heel. He was clutching, clenching a hold of the heel of his brother Esau as his mother gave birth to these twins. So his... His name in the Bible basically means a supplanter. And uh, Jacob, and, and understand that in the Bible days, names really meant something. You know, today in our society, we just look for what sounds beautiful and what sounds lovely and we try to maybe think of something you know that that nobody else has thought of you know or or we try to make a junior you know or a second or the third you know or try to name it after somebody that 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 we love or somebody that we know or 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 some sports star or some actress you know uh and and anyway so names you know are just kind of been watered down compromised or really don't mean much these days but in those days names meant something and jacob certainly lived up to his name 
Because Jacob was a deceiver. He was a trickster. He was a cheater. Jacob was a con artist. Basically, Jacob was just your plain old scoundrel. I mean, he was just love. Uh, he could just, he could sell you some oceanfront property in Arizona. I mean, he was just that kind of a person. And since his birth, up until this time in his life, he was always devising plans that would adhere to the way he wanted to live and what would be most pleasing to his flesh and really didn't care about anybody else involved. And that was basically what Jacob was. Now, although that was what Jacob was, it was not who he was. There's a difference in what we are and who we are. Israel was who he was. He was a nation that had been handpicked and chosen by God for himself. He was to be on the promise to Abraham, on to Isaac, and then on to Jacob. And throughout the 12 tribes of Israel, he was a blessing to all the nations of the earth. A blessing to all the nations of the earth. That was who he was. But he was having a problem with what he was. I want you to understand. You're a blessing to this world. I'm a blessing to this world. We are a blessing to this world. So, we see this deceiver, we see this trickster, we see this cheater, we see this con artist, we see this subplanner. But yet, we're seeing what he is. The who he is, the Israel has not been manifested yet. So the task for God is to bring this destiny of who out from among this what. Now understand, God loves you just the way you are. But He absolutely loves you too much to leave you there. There was never a doubt from the time Jacob was conceived that God loved him. Through everything that he'd done throughout his life, God loved him. God never, ever stopped loving him. But he simply loved him too much to leave him there. The story of the prodigal son. He left home. 
He got out from underneath the blessing. He stopped living who he was and began to live what he was. He ended up in the pig's pen. I mean, in feeding these hogs, some of the nastiest animals on the face of the earth, the swine, the hog, the pig. He simply ended up in Hogsville. Hogsville. But the Father still loved him. I can just picture that Father sitting for days on that porch in that rocking chair, just rocking back and forth, just grieving, just to see his son, just to hold his son. He still loved him. He loved him. The son was out from underneath the blessings of the father. He was still a son, though. He didn't lose his sonship. He was still a son. But he was out from underneath the blessing. But when he came back home, the father ran and kissed him and hugged him with the smell of slop and stink and nastiness all over him. He loved him just the way he was, but he didn't leave him like that. He said, bring the best robe and put it on him. There was a transformation that began to take place in that son's life. He said, bring the sandals. He said, bring the signet ring. We're going to get him cleaning up and we're going to get him looking like a son. We're going to, we're going to bring out the who and we're going to wash off the what. We're going to cleanse this what away so that the who can live and we're fixing a party. Yeah. Anybody like to party? Yeah. Well, that, that's exactly what they did that day. And, and heaven was rejoicing with that. So God loves you just the way you are. But the bottom line is, is he simply loves you too much to leave you there. So the task is, is man, I've got to get the who out from Jacob. So he can quit living in the what. God just gave me just uh, a beautiful, beautiful beautiful revelation here. Life's dead ends. Life's dead ends are God's opportunity for new streets in your life. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And it's all right to quote me on that. We're not going to infringe on any, any, any copyrights. The only one we'll be infringing on is his. And he's all right with that. Get his word out there. Life's dead ends are God's opportunity for new streets in your life. Jacob was at a dead end. He had nothing to go back to. He had that peace treaty with his father. But there was nothing for him to go back to there. He knows if he goes back there. He'll lose everything that he's got. 
he knows what his father-in-law is. There's nothing. There's a dead end to his past. There's nothing promising in his future. Absolutely nothing promising in his future. He's got a brother that his last words was to him, I'm going to kill you when we meet again. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to have revenge when we meet up again. There's nothing promising in his tomorrow. There's nothing to go back to in his yesterday. And he stands now all alone. He's by himself. He has sent things across the Jabbok River. He has sent gifts and servants ahead. The Bible says that he is all alone. Understand, your dead-end streets in life, your dead-ends in life, is God's opportunity for new streets in your life. What is God trying to do? He's trying to absolutely bring out the who, the reality of who you are. You were something great. You were never meant to live in the shadows of an Esau. You were meant and designed to shine to a lost and to a dying world. You were meant to shine before your spouses. You were meant to shine before your, your, your children. You were meant to shine before your parents. You were meant to shine before your siblings. You were meant to shine in, in, in your, on your job. You were meant to shine in your school. You were meant to shine in your neighborhood. You were meant to shine in the church. You were meant to shine in the grocery store. You were meant to shine in the doctor's office. You were meant to shine in the bank. You were meant to shine. You are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. And God is trying to bring out who you really are. So he's all alone. And God is fixing to begin to create some new streets. How many knows that he creates a way when there is no way? What do we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? His strength is perfect. And when you don't have the strength to go on, He'll carry you. More than once, He's gathered me in His lovingly, strong, omnipotent arms gathered me up when I didn't have the strength to go on and he carried me through those seasons of my life when I thought simply things was unraveling and I was losing hold on life and I would never ever get through it. God simply carried me and he reminded me that I was his own. So here he is. He's all alone. Loneliness is our opportunity to hear what God is saying. Loneliness makes us approachable. Think about it. Have you ever seen somebody in a crowd of people and there was something that was weighing on your heart, on your spirit, that you knew you had to talk to this person about? And maybe a friend or a spouse knew about it. 
And they said, well, well there he is. Did, did you talk to him? No, no, I, I, I didn't. And some people laugh and they, they, they know exactly what I'm talking about. All of us know because we've all done it before. No, no, I, I, I didn't. Why didn't you talk to him? I, I thought you said that, that, you, that you had a word from God, or I thought you said that, that they needed to hear this, or you had to, well, they was with so and so, they're with this group of people. I'm, I'm gonna kinda wait till they, till they get off by themselves, and, and, and then I'm, then I'm gonna talk to them. And so you wait, and you wait, and finally you see them by themselves, and what do you do? Boom, you make a beeline, and boy, you just spill it all out. You waited for them to be alone. Loneliness makes you approachable. At those times when you feel all alone, and you feel empty, and you feel like that there's not a person on this earth that understands or that even cares, remember... Loneliness makes you approachable. Sometimes your greatest blessing is your greatest curse. And sometimes what you see or deem as your greatest curse is your greatest blessing. Loneliness made him approachable. God wasn't going to go in there and wrestle him in the middle of a group of people. As long as you surround yourself with the people that tell you what you want to hear, somebody heard that, you'll never hear what you need to hear. As long as you surround your people, yourself with people, your peeps, your posse, Telling you what you want to hear. You'll never have the people approach you telling you what you need to hear. So his loneliness made him approachable. And God approached him. (laughs) Now bear in mind, sometimes God goes from encountering you to engaging you. I love to have encounters with God. But I want to be truthful with you, it's very uncomfortable when He engages me. Up until this time, He's been encountering Jacob with sweet little dreams. Oh, here's Jacob's ladder. Oh, look at the angels running up and down the ladder. Oh, this is so beautiful and so lovely. Oh, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place. It's just a shame I didn't recognize it and know it. Then again, when he's there with his father, once again, oh, God visits me in a dream and he's telling me I need to go back and he's with me, he's going to bless me. Don't you just love having sweet dreams from God when you lay your head on the pillow at night? I do. Oh, it feels so good. Oh, it's such a blessing. But is it bringing the who out or you continue to live in the what? Because if you're continuing to live in the what, God is going to go from encountering you to engaging you. 
That means he's about to pick a fight with you. He locks up with Jacob and he begins to wrestle with him. He approaches him when he's all along at his lowest point in life and he embraces him. He begins to... I mean, you ever seen them wrestlers, they get the bear hug on them? Hmm? I I can just imagine God just trying to squeeze the devil out of Jacob. (laughs) It ain't a fun thing when God locks you up and you're trying to squeeze the devil out of you. He began to wrestle with him. He began to fight him. And he knocks, he hits him in the side. In other words, God basically knocked the man's hip completely out of joint. Anybody ever had anything go out of joint on you? Oh, oh my goodness. Painful. I mean, oh, Mm, 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 mm. I mean, it went completely out. And and he's hanging, he's hanging on to God. I need somebody that's tough. Don't mind some pain. That's strong. And that's in desperate need for a $20 bill. I mean, you are desperate for a $20 bill. Okay, come here. Jacob is holding on. To God. And God literally knocks his hip completely out of joint. How painful must that have been? Then God goes on to say, let me go. It's the dawn is coming. It's fixing to get light. And his words will, I will not let you go. Until you bless me. Here's the blessing. Here's the blessing. If you let me go. Before you have this in your hand. You won't get this. But if you hang on to me. Until I put this in your hand. Then you can let go. Okay. Let go. Let go. Let go. <laughs> He's got a ring on. Don't let go. I said, let go. When God begins to mess with your flesh, when God begins to mess with your flesh, 
the easiest thing to do is to let go. And if you're not hungry and thirsty for a blessing, you're going to let go. I mean, somebody in this house is desperate for a blessing. That was for your mommy and daddy. All those times you deserved it and got away with it. Next week's sermon is on child abuse. Somebody else will be ministering. Or maybe I will if they have live telecasts from uh, prison. When God begins to mess with our flesh, when He begins to mess with your health, Oh, God, don't do that. Okay. When he begins to mess with your finances, I want to tell you what, more important you're in your health, more important than your finances is God bringing out who you are. To advance his kingdom one soul at a time through the ministry of Jesus Christ so that the lost and the dying that are on their way to a devil's hell can be saved and be saved from that place. When God begins to mess with your flesh, the easiest thing is to let go. Man, when that hit, I guarantee you, every fiber of his flesh cried out, let go. You're, You're about to die. And even the voice said, let me go. He said, I won't. I won't. It's hard. And as painful as this is, I can't go on living. The what? I've got to come into the who. I can't live like this anymore. See, God begins to... This flesh has to die. It has to be crucified. And it's not an easy process. When God begins... That sanctifying work. I remember my dad sharing a story a long time ago about a man. You know, salvation is instant. Well, you get saved, you're as clean as you're ever going to be. You're as ready for heaven as if you were already there. The blood of Jesus does that. But that sanctifying, where that flesh dies, where that what begins to be broken from off your life so that the who so that the who you are can come alive that that process of sanctifying in any ways a man said boy he got sanctified one night at church his wife said well we'll find out tomorrow he got his old bucket went out to the barn set that bucket underneath there and started to milk that old jersey cow Got that bucket about halfway filled up, and that old Jersey cow kicked that bucket over. And he began to let every word fly, and he began to beat that cow. Man. Next night, the revival, he was praying, God, sanctify me. Get get this old flesh. Break these 
things off from my life. I got sanctified. Wife said, we'll find out tomorrow. Next day he went out there, put that bucket underneath that Jersey cow and began to milk that Jersey cow. About half full, that Jersey cow kicked over that bucket and he began to let it fly and he began to beat that old Jersey cow again. That next night, God moved into the house and moved into that temple in a way that that man had not experienced God. He said, I'm sanctified. Smile on his face from ear to ear. His wife said, we'll find out in the morning. He stuck that bucket underneath there, began to milk that Jersey cow once again. About that bucket got about halfway full and that Jersey cow kicked it over. He reached up there and he said, that's okay, Betsy. We'll try it again tomorrow. So next time that driver cuts you off in traffic, say, that's okay. I'm not in any hurry. It's a process. God is trying to weed and to get rid of the what so that the who can come alive in us and we can be the very best that we can that we have been designed because we are great we have been designed to shine we've been designed for greatness and this what only holds us back from really thriving not only in god's kingdom but on the individual level as 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 a spouse as 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 a person, as a light, as salt, as a worker, as a business owner, whatever. Apart from God, we are nothing. But the less there is of us, the more there is of God. And the less there was of Jacob, the more God began to shine in the light of Israel. Amen. And he's still shining today. It's in those times... That, that those questions, you know, in those wrestling times with God, that those soul-searching questions are, are asked. You ever notice that? You, I mean, God says, what's, what's, what's your name? He said, Jacob. Now realize, he knew what he was saying. He was basically saying to this man, my name is cheater. My name is deceiver. My name is con artist. My name is liar. My name is scoundrel. My name is Jacob. What's your name? What were you doing last night on the computer while everybody else was in the bed? Asleep. What did you do with that extra change you got back from the cashier? What did you do when that person cut you off? What did you do? What are you? What is your name? What were you doing? 
It's so soul-searching questions in those wrestling matches with God that makes us look deep within to what we are. But it's those kind of questions that ultimately bring out who we are. Somebody to come to the key. Jacob was after a blessing. I want to tell you something. Jacob was hungry for that blessing. He was thirsty for that blessing. Even with his hip being knocked out, he still hung on for the blessing. Even with God telling him to let me go, he still hung on for the blessing. But let me tell you something that might come as a shock to you. More than Jacob wanted the blessing, God wanted the blessing. I want to tell you what, more than Caleb wanted that $20 bill this morning, I wanted to give it to him. I wanted to give it to him. He wanted it. But more than he wanted it, I wanted to give it to him. See, I could have illustrated with a dollar. But in my heart, that wasn't enough. I wanted to bless him with a $20 bill. Sometimes you're after a dollar. God says, whoa. I'm really wanting to give you more than that. Too many times we let go with a dollar blessing. God says, I wish you hung on. I wish you'd have hung on just a little bit longer. again though you're going to get this thing I'm not going to give up on you because more than you're wanting to be blessed God is wanting to bless your life you'll give up on yourself long before God ever gives up on you but God is going to test your hunger He wants to bless you. I wanted to bless Caleb. But in the illustration, I had to test his hunger. I had to test his character and his thirst to prove a point. The flesh has to be tested before a blessing of transformation can be released upon your life. Will you hold on to God when He starts messing with the fleshly side of your life? Because if you do, the blessing of transformation is going to take place. And you're going to begin to walk in the blessing of who you are. going to begin to walk in the blessing of who you are. I hope that somehow this message is grasped beyond your flesh.
taking hold of your spirit. And something has already begun to happen. And I'm believing with you that you're never going to be the same. The process has begun. God has engaged you in this house today. And you have not let you have not let go. You're still holding on. And I just can't help but believe in my heart that those in this house today would just like an opportunity to just find a place to bow ahead, to to kneel. Whether it's at your seat or, or whether it's here around these altars or, or wherever. Maybe you prefer to stand. Some people like to stand. Some people like to kneel. Some people just like to lay face down. That's up to you. But I believe that you just like to take a few moments before you leave this building. And in that brace that you're in with God right now through His Word, I believe you just like to converse with Him a little bit. Maybe you just like to say, God... Thank you for this word because you know I needed it. I'm excited about what you're going to do through it because you've promised me that 36 to your 100 fold is possible. I'm claiming the 100. I don't know, but I do know he'll listen to you while you talk to him. And if you'll pause. Give him the time. He'll speak back. Maybe through a friend or through a loved one. Maybe through just an impression upon the heart. Maybe through his word. But he'll speak back. So in closing, can we just find us a place to pray? Just just a conversation with God. When you're through conversing with him... Consider yourself dismissed. And I pray that you have a blessed week. Hope to see you back again next Sunday or Wednesday night at 7. Truly, I love you. But more than that, God loves you. Let us pray.